live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You're listening to the entertainment edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we want to continue the conversation with you after the show. So swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. All the links are right there. Check out Parlay Points, new comics blogs dropping past four days as if we're recording right now. Who knows? I might sneak another one out by the end of the week. That's why you got to read and check before you hit the LCS. You can also check out the T Public Store, get yourself some ODPH swag. All that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. Kicking off this edition of the podcast, we were gifted a present from Marvel Studios early. Yeah, we were. Definitely surprised to hear about this, but we knew the show was coming to Disney Plus around November, November mm-hmm. 24th to be specific. So we did get an early Christmas present from Marvel, and that is the trailer. For Hawkeye. Yeah. Now, I'm definitely excited to see about the adventures of Clint Barton go on to the the small screen, rather, because we have seen him in Avengers Endgame, and where he is now is a very interesting place. I'm saying it's a very kind of unknown place just because we saw what happened with Endgame, Mm -hmm. got back together with his family. But up to this point, prior to this this trailer, we really didn't have any idea where he was or what he was doing because he's never really been referenced or mentioned. Uh, outside of, I think, maybe a passing mention in uh, Black Widow, mm-hmm. which, of course, took place before Endgame. So, timelines. Right, because now we're entering the next phase of the MCU. And to see the fallout of our favorite characters post-Endgame is going to be the real fun part as fans. Because, well, and the past catching up with them. Yes, because his past is definitely catching up with them. And where the show is based is going to be heavily influenced off the Matt Fraction and David Aja run of Hawkeye, which you, if you have not read the comic, I can't stress this enough. Go to your LCS. Go pick up the trade paperbacks. I, I've heard rumors that they're going to be doing a repackaging around November as well, so you want to make sure you're pre-ordering. So that would surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of, like, 50% off sale. I know Comixology and other online uh, retailers like to do that a lot right before these comic shows and, and movies come out. Yes, yeah, so you definitely want to read up on this because you'll be a step ahead of everybody else who's just going to tune in and jump in late because... This series has got a lot of people talking about it, and rightfully so. So that being said, we are going to break down the trailer that we saw, and we do give you that official ODPH spoiler warning, because after the countdown, we go deep diving into spoilers. So you have been fair warned. So if you don't want to get spoiled, pause this podcast right here, watch the trailer, and jump back into the conversation, because once we get done with the countdown, it's fully on spoiler breakdown. So, Pad, that being said, three... Two, one, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was a really great trailer. Uh, I wasn't really quite sure what to expect because I haven't read the Fraction run. Uh, I've just heard you and others sing its praises. Uh, But I felt this trailer really, you know, was really good and and hyped up the show, but didn't give away too much. It just got you teased enough for, okay, he's trying to make up for lost time. He's trying to, you know, mend fences, you know, try to be the good father. But 
like we've been seeing with a lot of the stuff in this phase, it, it's the dealing with your past, the dealing with, you know, you can't run away from everything forever, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with it in his own way. This trailer definitely hit the mark, pun intended. It gave me everything I wanted to kind of get a vibe from the show because obviously Hawkeye is a street level superhero. You're not going to see him fight the likes of the scrolls per se. You're not going to see him fight Thanos by himself. This is just kind of a very grounded story, and it's going to be dealing with his past and especially his other identity as Ronin, which he had for a brief stint in Avengers Endgame. But where this trailer kicks off, we are in New York City. It is Christmas time. It's a wonderful time to be down in the city. Yeah, too, it is. Uh, if you ever get the chance, definitely go to the city around Christmas time. Yes. And we do see that Jeremy Renner has reprised his role as Clint Barton, and he's with his family and enjoying the moment that he's in because after losing them in the snap or the incident, whatever you want to define it as, mm-hmm. he now has them reunited. He's, yeah. he's trying to make up for lost time. Make up for a lot of lost time. I mean, as we see, he's in New York. He's taking him to dinner. He's taking him to see Broadway shows, especially uh, some show called Rogers the Musical. Yes. Based off of Steve Rogers. That's absolutely wild. That is that is on brand for them. Yeah, I, I was completely marking out when I saw the marquee for that and then the little quick snippet of the actual musical. And I got to admit, I kind of hope the internet rumor that Chris Evans is playing Thor in the musical. Because there's there's a rumor and there's people running and speculating. Because I think it's like Fat Thor is seen in the There's like a shot of Fat Thor in the trailer from mm-hmm. the musical. And a lot of people are speculating that it's Chris Evans playing. Like not Chris Evans playing Steve Rogers, but like Chris Evans playing himself. Yeah. Playing Thor in this musical. And I just think that would be the funniest thing in the world. And if it happens, I'm all for it. I'm all for it too. And I could definitely see that happening. Just as a little fun Easter egg for fans to really appreciate. Because as we see, the Barton family is just enjoying their time. It's the holidays. It's the warm, fuzzy moment. And then we do see that Clint is hearing on the television about a character that he was not expecting to see ever again. No, because he's probably figuring, where the hell is this coming from? I've got the clothes locked up in a, in a box in my basement buried under like six feet of earth. Uh, that is because it is a news broadcast where the, this says... Uh, the, the broadcasts are saying that folks are wondering if the max, if this is the same mask vigilante who terrorized the city's underworlds is back. And that is of course, Ronan who he, like Ken said, did portray for a time uh, during Avengers Endgame when he was, uh, how do we put it? Uh, In a very dark place. Yeah. He was not so much save the world as he was more fuck the world. He was more a Frank Castle than he was Steve Rogers. Let's just put he it that way. He made Frank Castle look like a Boy Scout in this instance, at least in the way they portrayed him. There were some definite moments that that happened, and we do see a silhouette of Ronin. And we do know, if you read the comics, who Ronin is. And that is a character named Maya Lopez, who's played by Alica Cox. And we do see that Hawkeye is telling his family that his past has caught up with him, to paraphrase. And he's sending them away from New York City because he knows that something bad is going to happen. Because now that Ronan is roaming the streets, mm-hmm. trouble is going to come find him. And his family, obviously, is not getting the vibe that I, I don't think that they were aware of what he was really doing. No, Shield. no. They they probably had some assumptions that like he was up to some stuff. Because, hey, it was five years. Mm-hmm. But they're also taking it in stride because they found out about it. They're out someplace or they're leaving the hotel. And his daughter says, is this something should be worried? We should be worried about, which which is kind of like, all right, they're used to the superhero life. They are used to dad having to leave for spaces at a time and their lives being in danger. So this isn't anything new to them. It's just like, hey, should we be worried about this or is this just another one of your things? Yeah. So they're definitely now embracing his superhero lifestyle per se. 
but he's just trying to be the reassuring dad that I'll be home by Christmas, everything is okay, and really trying not to have them worry too much, even though he's definitely worried. Well, so he utters the word, I promise, which, famous last words. Dun, dun, dun. Son tells me he's going to be walking in, the, like Christmas, the final episode is going to be like him walking in on Christmas Day, like... Six o'clock at night. It could definitely happen, but he's got a long way to get there first because we do hear the song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Start cranking up a little louder. Sorry, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, they can never go wrong with Frank. Nope, never. And then we kind of do see a quick action shot that, well, he's run into his past literally. I'll say it looks like he's trying to do some reconnaissance, track him down because he is a bit of an espionage spy after all. He is good at doing that. And it does look like he's able to track a person down because uh, you see there's a truck in a vet in an alley, uh, and then you cut to the street where the said person dressed as Ronan is taking on some thugs in the street, uh, and and he's all watching this all, and he gets uh, the masked vigilante playing Ronan up against the wall on a rooftop and pulls the mask off and goes, "Who the hell are you?" Yes. So now he has come face to face with Echo, and. Also runs into another big character in the MCU. At least she will be as the series progresses and the next phase kicks in. And that is one Kate Bishop played by Haley Steinfeld. Mm -hmm. So we do get the introduction of Kate Bishop to the MCU. And very much playing up that some people call me the best archer in the world. Yeah, she shoots an arrow with a tennis ball attached on the end of it into a bell tower. It wraps around the rope of said bell that's in the tower rings the bell while also simultaneously wrecking the bell, the tower the bell is in. Yes. And she's standing there going, oh, my God, I just did that. You know, and he goes, are you one of those people? Meaning, are you one of those people that call yourself the best archer in the world? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't say anything. She just nods. Yes. I mean, they're completely playing off their relationship in the comics, too, it, which is mentor to mentor There is that vibe to it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've seen it most recently in the Avengers video game that came out by Square Enix. Yeah. Because they do have a side mission where they introduce Kate Bishop into and then we get a quick flash to Hawkeye calling his family, and they're kind of saying, when are you going to be back? And he's like, I don't know, maybe a day or two. <laughs> All the meanwhile, a Molotov cocktail is getting thrown into the building he's in. He goes, oh, hold on. Catches it, throws it back at them where it ignites. Mm-hmm. So just normal everyday things for him. Exactly. It's another day in the life of Clint Barton. And I love how they were just doing the nonchalant things with him. Obviously jumping out of a building, hanging off a rope. Yeah, uh, he's where he voiceovers going. No, nah, things have gotten a little complicated. It's going to take a little longer than I thought. Yeah, so he's just hanging there, just from the rope, and then just does a quick descent to. I mean, they're just doing so much average, casual action here. Yeah, and he's definitely getting taking some bumps and bruises because there's one point where he's laying in a recliner and he puts something on his forehead, but it's not an ice pack. I'm pretty sure it's one of those uh, margarita things that like you can throw in the freezer and then you just take out and you just start sipping on. Yes. Because that, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it, it's definitely a cool moment there too. And you just see more action of him running and getting shot at and then he's captured by the thugs that are really trying to hunt him down and obviously we get the quick appearance superhero entrance yeah. of one Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop comes in to rescue the day only to fall flat on her face. Yes, which is pretty comedic. I got to say that like it made me laugh cuz you expect this big, you know, heroic pose as you're coming in and she just crashes right to the floor. Yeah, and and it's great if you turn on the closed captions for the trailer. She crashes in and it's in the closed captions say Kate Bishop grunts. Yes. And then Clint Barton sighs. Yeah. Because he even knows, too. Being the wily veteran that he is in the superhero game, this is where he's just going, okay, well, we got rookies. Yeah. It's a cool moment, though, definitely. 
And they are just really living up on this whole getting hunted down. We do see more thugs appearing towards them. We get a, another shot, like I said, of Rogers the Musical. Yeah. Which is definitely, I, I can't wait to see this. I, I hope they do something like this on Broadway. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, Spider-Man in the Dark was a thing. I have Spider-Man in After Yeah, Dark. that was a thing. That was a thing. But I'm looking at this cat. I'm, I'm pausing looking at this cat. So it looks like we've got Thor. Looks like a love version of Loki. There's a guy in a suit. So I'm going to guess that's Coulson. Uh, you've got Cap there. You've got, God, is that supposed to be Hulk? I think it's supposed oh, to be Hulk. Oh, hey, that's a bad version of Hulk. Uh, you've got Hawkeye up on the second level. See, there's Black Widow. So you've got your usual cast of Avengers, but good God, that Hulk is yikes. It is what it is. That's the easiest way to put it. Hey. But but uh, like I said, you're not going to get the Hulk CGI for this. Uh, no. I believe that we get a shot of one pizza dog. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about seeing that. Yeah. And we do see a little Renfest, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of what it looks like. I mean, I'm looking through. So it's them. Oh, hold on. The trailer went a little too far. Uh, yeah, it looks like they're on Renfest. Yeah, because there's a dog. Yeah, no, yeah, that's Renfest. Uh, that's them fighting in the middle of a Renaissance festival, or, or so, or maybe like a Viking invasion at Ren- Renaissance festival. Yes. So I have no idea what's gonna go on there, but I'm here for it. Yeah. So you know, continue that going. Just it has a nice playful vibe to it. That's the one thing about this is this show is definitely has a serious tone to it, but it's more laid back and relaxed, yeah. which I do like about yeah. this. He's gonna well. get. It looks like he's gonna get his James Bond on, and by that suit and bow tie, mm-hmm. looking dapper as fuck. Yes. So who knows what's gonna happen there? And then we get another kind of quick action shot of our heroes facing off with the bad guys back to back with arrows. It's a cool action sequence. I'll say they're at the Rockefeller Center ice rink too. Yes. Which is which is very cool. Very iconic space in New York City. Yes. So how they're setting this up, it's just really just more back and forth action sequences. Oh, I just noticed some, Hey, uh, special effects people. If you're listening to this, you missed the shot in this trailer. Oh, he's pulling back on his arrow in that shot where they're fighting on the, on the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no arrow there. Watch, watch on the right side comes with, so it goes, comes with a bow fighting on the ice, right side. Oh, pulls the arrow, the bow moves and there's no arrow attached. That's a little wild. Maybe, maybe already left, but that's what I'm just looking at. It could be, like I said, I mean, is, is one of those blinking, you miss it moments. And then, like I say, they keep going back and forth with the action. We get a car chase scene yeah. where Kate Bishop gets introduced to the Arrows of Hawkeye. Yeah. And, and I do love kind of the throwback. The yeah, I, I do like the throwback to when he has all the crazy arrows. Oh, yeah. Because that does happen. It doesn't matter if you're Green Arrow or you're Hawkeye. There's sometimes you, you have, need to. You got to carry an exploding arrow for you for no reason. And as she shoots it towards an armored vehicle that's coming after him. It's kind of just a nice playful moment until she shoots the arrow. Well, because she's going to pick out an arrow, and he goes, not this one. And he goes, definitely not this one. And she goes, you don't have to say definitely. So then he, so then she picks one out, fires it at it. The truck flips on its side on fire, goes flipping barrel over end over end. And she goes, holy shit. And then she, well, this is while she's sitting outside of the car on the, wind, on the windowsill of the car. She then leans back in and looks to go him, Hawkeye, and goes, there are arrows more dangerous than that one? And he just kind of looks and he kind of purses his lips and just kind of looks out to the side like, eh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then the trailer ends with the classic Hawkeye pose yep. or action pose where he's jumping off a, off a building, pulling out an arrow, going to use it, and she's copying him. Yep, so it's a definite throwback to Avengers 1. Yep. So I, I'm all here for it. Then, like I said, the trailer just ends with the marquee, and obviously we get told that it is going to be starting to stream on Disney Plus November 24th. So the day before Thanksgiving here in the States. Yes. So overall, 
I really enjoyed this pad. What's your take? Uh, I really enjoyed it too. You know, I was very excited for this just because, like I said, I've heard you and others talk about how good the fraction run is. Plus, I'm 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 growing to Hawkeye. He was kind of like an okay, just whatever he's there type of hero for me. But he's grown on me over the over the movies, and I definitely want to see where he's at. And especially with I was looking at the casting earlier, it's going to be very interesting because if we remember uh, what happened during the events of Black Widow, mm-hmm. where especially the post credit scene uh, where uh, Yelena. Uh, uh, Black Widow's sister was mm-hmm. told what happened and oh hey your sister's dead and, and Clint Barton aka Hawkeye is to blame and that obviously we're, we were drawing kind of dots there going okay so that's going to lead her to get pissed off at him and want to come for him not knowing the circumstances because hey the person who told her is a villain mm-hmm. uh, but you look at the casting list for this listed for all eight episodes is one Florence Pugh aka Elena Belova yes so there's going to be some shit in this in this series. It's definitely going to get interesting of how they're going to mix her into the story. I do like everything I saw from this though. It teased enough that it got me excited to see it. And obviously, you know my feelings when they borrow from v- iconic stories. And I do say mm-hmm. iconic for Hawkeye because, in my opinion, there is no better Hawkeye story. Oh sure, this is so good. I can't stress it enough, and it's just like it's, it's kudos to Fraction and how he writes him because it just presents you with a Hawkeye that is just embracing, and it's it's good, and it reminds you like why he is such an important hero at the end of the day. Like he he's not your typical st- you know standard superhero sure. practices. Sure, he does stuff a little left to center, but it doesn't matter because he's still at the end of the day you you understand how he ticks. Like I say. Clint Barton has been an Avenger and he's been a reformed villain so many times. It it just goes to show of how he is just a remarkable character to read. And like I said, when he's presented well, mm-hmm. he's great. And like I say, in my opinion, there's no better version of him than the way Fraction writes him. But I am just super excited to see what this next phase is going to present. Because obviously with the whole Yelena factor that is thrown in. Mm-hmm. And to see how that's going to translate to whatever they're leading to, whether it's Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers, I think that they're going to be ultimately setting up, if I have to make an early ODPH guess. And this is just fan fantasy booking. Sure. I'm now starting to wonder if they're going to book the Dark Avengers versus the Young Avengers. I think that's what it's going to ultimately build up to because unless you've been living under a rock, it's very obvious they're setting up for Young Avengers yes. at this point. Yeah, that's yeah. And I th- and I know a lot of people are going, oh, is it going to be Thunderbolts or is it going to be Dark Avengers? Well, I'm thinking just from a marketing standpoint, Dark Avengers makes more sense because you can get a lot of people on board going, oh, Dark Avengers is the evil version of them. Oh, I'm on board for this. Whereas Thunderbolts, it's like, wait, what the hell are, what the hell's a Thunderbolt? Yeah, and especially with how the Thunderbolts were introduced in the comics, it's a little tougher to translate that amazing introduction Mm -hmm. without a couple other moving parts. And to really get into it, to try explaining how they took over when the Avengers and Fantastic Four went into their own Heroes Reborn universe. Yeah. Obviously, I, I strongly doubt, never say never, but I strongly doubt we'll ever see that on the big screen. But... If they kind of play it off, maybe Kang is the one that removes them from the timeline and, and to kind of borrow a little bit, then maybe we'd see that. But I just think it might be a case of there just aren't enough Avengers around at the present time that they, they need to call in somebody else. 
Whereas you look at, okay, Ant-Man's doing whatever he's doing. We haven't seen him yet. Doctor Strange, we really can't speak of because, again, haven't seen him yet. Same with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's probably just doing Spider-Man things. We'll mm-hmm. find out here at the end of the year. Yeah. But then you got to figure Falcon and, Cap, Falcon and uh, Falcon Cap and then also Bucky. Okay, you can call them. Thor, we don't really know other than a lot of people are speculating that he's still not okay after the events of Endgame. Captain Marvel's off-world, although let's face it, she can be here in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're still down Thor, who's off-world with the Guardians. Guardians are off-world. Cap is old. Tony's dead. So you're really down a lot of bodies where if, if a major threat comes up, like a Dark Avengers, they have this crew set up on the side or they can they have these people they can call like, hey, listen, we need help and there aren't, the Avengers aren't here. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting setup with how they want to do this. And plus, there's also another factor that I, I'm going to be saying. This is an extreme fantasy booking. Okay. We do know that William Defoe is going to be rumored to be involved in Spider-Man No Way Home. There's no rumor about it, but yeah. Okay, but you know, just for all intents and purposes. That's his laugh in the trailer. Yeah, which, like I say, I'm just going to say allegedly just for podcast that, reasons. That'd be the biggest swerve of all time if, it, if they use his laugh and then it's not him. Can you imagine if his laugh and it's Andrew Garfield? Hey! Just a really mess of hey. fans. I know, I know I'm going to hear a lot of feedback about that line, but I digress. But going to my point, though. So if you have William Defoe come into our MCU as mm-hmm. Norman Osborn, mm-hmm. and we do know that one Nick Fury is off planet with Sword right now. Yep. There is a vacuum for who is the quote unquote head of Shield. Yeah. There's also a tower in New York that we still don't know who bought, mm-hmm. even though the tower is almost shown three times in this goddamn trailer. Right. But if there's a vacuum where there's no head of Shield, and they decide to replace it. With Hammer, mm. who was headed by one Norman Osborn, and his Dark Avengers were the head people involved. I don't think they do it this quick after with uh, uh, the next Spider-Man movie coming out so soon. I, no, I'm, like, I'm not ruling out the possibility of having that at some point down the line. Mm-hmm. But for right now, I, I just think it's way too soon. It, it definitely could be. Like I say, this Cause, is extreme. Because to bring in... To bring in the villain, let's let's just go on the assumption that everybody knows who he is because the movies are getting a lot of rewatches these days. Yeah, um, re- they've risen to the ch- charts of the iTunes uh, lists for like people buying them. You know, so going on the assumption that everyone knows who he is to have him show up at the end of the year, you know, as oh, I'm the big bad guy. I'm joining the Sinister Six or you know whatever they call themselves whatever version they want to call themselves. And then to turn around and be like, oh, hey, forget all the terrible stuff I did in that last movie. I'm going to head S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Like, yeah, it's a little too quick. I mean, like I say, I'm just... I, I don't buy that. I don't put it past... Like I said, I don't put it past him doing that. But down the road where he's like, oh, I'm a reformed Norman Osborn. I'm not the bad guy I used to be. Look at all the good stuff I'm doing for humanity. Like I say... They've re- done that in the comics a thousand times. Oh, I know they've done it in the comics. Like I said, that's how he became that as S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, it was, it was, a, it was a weird time. They've got to reintroduce S.H.I.E.L.D. first, though. Because right. I, I don't think, and I could be wrong, hashtag ODPH, I don't think they've yet to re- reintroduce S.H.I.E.L.D. to the universe yet. Right, because I think they're holding off to introduce Norman as the head. Mm, maybe. Like, there's just a big X factor there with Nick Fury and how they're going to try spelling him with S.W.O.R.D. and obviously who is going to be the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. But if they really want to speed this up, what better way to do it than Norman Osborn coming to our universe, forming his own Dark Avengers, and the Young Avengers need to step up to do it, to be the first line of uh, defense for humanity, so to speak? 
Like, it almost writes itself. Yeah. I know it's, like I said, this is extreme fantasy booking, but this is the kind of ideas you have to really look at with how they're doing the, the play up to it. Because we do know, obviously, Kang the Conqueror is the next big bad. True. That's already been established. That's that's a no-brainer. But if they want to try doing a sub-story and have Norman Osborn sneak into that power vacuum, it's not out of the realm of thought. No. Like I said, it would be a long setup. Like, I think he'd be teased for a few movies until we see him ascend to the role. But if they want to go that route, it's a lot of, it's a lot of moving parts to get there. But possible. It's possible. But like I say, we're going to start everything off with Hawkeye. And this is where the next phase kicks in. Where we're going to go from here, I don't know. Uh, the bonus credits scene are going to be real interesting. Oh, I would definitely say so. We're going to be juggling around a lot of different ideas because with the elements that they're adding in from Black Widow and the other moving parts in the MCU, Hawkeye is not going to exactly be so cut and dry, but it's going to be entertaining as heck. Oh, it will be. And I wouldn't, here's my guess and my early prediction for the kind of like end scene, you know, the quote unquote bonus scene. I wouldn't put it past the end scene being Julia Louise Dreyfus trying to recruit Kate Bishop. But she does, she's like, oh, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll consider it. I'll get back to you on that. And then goes and calls up Hawkeye. Like, you see her, like, they do the movie thing where, like, she dials the number and you see the name and the picture on the phone. Mm-hmm. And she goes, hey, we need to talk. And then it cuts to black and go, oh, she's going to tell him what's going on. And she just tried to get recruited by this person. That's my guess is what we're going to see. that They'll start to finally learn that, hey, there's some shit going on behind the scenes. I don't put it past that. To be honest with you, I, I think there could be a factor in there unless they actually kill off Clint Barton. Could be. I hope not. I say I, I don't know what his contract is with Marvel, so it's possible. Right, but if you really want to start pushing Kate Bishop to be the Hawkeye of this new phase of the MCU. I mean, you could also just have him retire. He's like, hey, listen, I've taught you every do, – do the you know Jedi Star Wars thing. Like, I've taught you everything I know. I'm going to go right off into the sunset and be with my family because I've deserted them for the better part of like 10 years. Yes. You can take care of things. I could only hope so, but if they want to sneak in Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, I'm okay with this as well, too. Me, too. I'm going to do fantasy booking again, too. So many questions coming out of this trailer, but we gave you our takes. We want to hear yours, ODPH Society, so hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from Marvel slash Disney Plus's Hawkeye? What are you excited about? What are you not? Let's have that discussion, and definitely throw out your guesses of what is going to happen in this show. I definitely want to hear them. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And let us break down the latest episode of What If on Disney+. Plus. Loved it. The hit animated show taking the parallels of the Marvel Universe and really flipping them on their 180s. Uh, Just by the change of a sentence. Yes. Not like paragraphs or pages. Literally one sentence. Yes, they're completely flipping them upside down, and we're getting fantastic stories coming out of this. We're coming off the heels of arguably the best episode. I know I'll catch some heat online for this, but I don't care. I love the zombies episode. I dug it, too. Yeah, I know. That was receiving a lot of online criticism that wasn't good because... Uh, reasons. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to even get into it because it was great in my opinion. But that's why I'm a fan. I can like that stuff. And if you didn't like it, you don't have to like it either. But that's why we have those conversations, respectively. 
However, though, we are going to be talking about episode six, What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark? Mm-hmm. So you know the deal by now. After the countdown, we go spoiler heavy with the conversation. So that being said, in three, two, one, pad. What did you think? Uh, I really dug the episode. It was a very fun take on twisting the original MCU film, uh, Iron Man 1, uh, on its head a little bit and seeing where it would go from here. Uh, And I got to say, this was really good. They really planned this one out nicely. And it's such a parallel to Iron Man 1, the movie that started it all. What a story they had with this one. Yeah. Because we catch up to when Tony Stark is in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and he is getting the military escort. He's doing the selfie minute with, yeah. the, with the soldiers in the, in the armored car. Shot for shot remake of uh, what happened in the movie. Yes, and it's absolutely perfect because he's getting attacked by the Ten Rings, the Mandarin's organization. However, though, instead of being captured, he is rescued. And, Pad, who rescues him? Uh, one, Eric Stevens, a.k.a. Killmonger, a.k.a. played by Michael B. Jordan. Yes. So Jordan returns to voice the act, the character. His acting, obviously, is spot on. And I say voice acting is still acting, folks. Yes, it so, is. So if you haven't gotten that point, I, I can't stress that enough. He's acting the role phenomenally and does it like nobody else. So now, after being the one who saves Tony Stark... We go to the end of Iron Man, mm-hmm. number one, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a little different ending than we saw in the movies. Yeah. Obviously, because things have changed. And as Tony Stark is addressing the media and he's explaining what has happened, obviously, there's no Iron Man at this point. No. But he is promoting to his head of security one Killmonger, mm-hmm. who obviously, after seeing him in action, take out the Mandarin's forces in sheer brutal fashion, too. Yeah. Very precise, very on point, no room for error. So you help me, I'll help you. Exactly. Tony Stark decides to return the favor and promote him within his company. However, though, it's met with a little bit of controversy. We'll say it's about the same reaction that we got from the original Iron Man one, where it's like, wait, what the fuck are you saying? Where like, he's like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? Where they're almost questioning it. And and who is it? Pepper that brings up. She's like, wait, I got a couple questions to ask about this. You know, you're, you're, it was either Pepper or the reporter. I can't remember which, where they were like, Hey, listen, I got some questions about this. You know, you helped save him, but your unit was stationed almost 400 miles away or whatever, 400 miles, 400 clicks, whatever it was. What were you doing there? And he goes, listen, I'm where I needed to be. Oh, by the way, did you know this was all planted and planned by Obadiah Stane? And, oh, do you have any claims to back this up? Yeah, they're all on the internet, and I just published them right now. Uh, 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 uh. Obadiah Stane freaks the fuck out and gets arrested. How well played was that? Holy shit, this was like watching a dude play 4D chess. Yes, this was very Watchmen-esque, and I loved it. And I can't help but wonder, I got to the end of this episode, and I couldn't help but wonder, how much of this did he plan, or was it just off the cuff? You almost, you almost have to wonder, obviously we'll get in a little bit more of it in the episode, Killmonger might have been behind this the entire time. I'm thinking so. But the only thing is Stain didn't flip on him. No. Like, that was the only puzzling point. Because I, th- I did think that idea too, but I'm like, well, he probably picked up on it and said, I'm going to capitalize on this and flip it to my game. And lo and behold, what happens? So after Obadiah Stain is taken off the board, Tony Stark is really convinced on promoting Killmonger and shaping his vision yeah. of protection to the world in full force. Mm-hmm. And Stevens, a.k.a. Killmonger, 
tells him about, well, I have this prototype I've been kind of just toying around with, and so it's an armored got, soldier. Yeah, he even got as far as, like, drawing blueprints or something. Yeah, which I was like, okay, well, this is a little telegraph, but I'm okay with this. Yeah. And he's saying, well, you know, there's one thing it needs. It's a metal. Yeah. Known as vibranium. Yeah. And Tony's like, well, whatever you want to get done, we'll make sure it gets done. Meanwhile, Pepper and Happy are kind of saying this is a bad idea and, yeah. and what are we doing? But Tony is feeling so much in debt for his life being saved. Like he didn't have mm-hmm. that redemption moment that we all know from Iron Man mm-hmm. when he's trapped in a cave making a suit. He is still the Tony Stark arrogant jerk that he's always been. Yeah. And so now he's like, well, I feel so indebted. I'm going to help you out and make this happen. So they arrange a soldier that was recruited by Pepper to join the organization, one James Rhodes. Yeah, because they want to buy the vibranium from a black market dealer. Uh, but they can't. Pepper's like, this is a terrible idea. We can't be doing this. We'll get in so much legal trouble, not only domestically, but uh, on a global scale. And Tony comes up with the idea, oh, why don't we have Rhodey do it? He's our military attache. It's perfectly legal for them to do it. Boom, above the board. Yeah, Problem exactly. solved. Exactly. And they're apparently buying the vibranium from a very familiar face, one Ulysses Claw, mm-hmm. which is never good to do some business with. So Andy Circus returning to reprise the role. Yes. And Killmonger is obviously very familiar with working with Claw. Yeah. And in fact, when they decide to tip off about the deal going on, like Killmonger is completely focused on his original task at hand from Black Panther. Yep. He wants to take out T'Challa in the worst way. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he winds up luring the Black Panther to the deal. There is a fight that ensues, but Killmonger actually does kill T'Challa. Yeah, and, and if you're wondering, wait, how did he get Black Panther there? He told Claw to leak the deal to the Wakandans. So, the Waka- the, he, so Claw told the Wakandans, hey... There's these people looking to buy vibranium. You should come and stop them. They're horrible people. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll be right there. And so they come, they attack, and Killmonger gets his wish and kills not only T'Challa, but Rhodey. And he frames him for it, too. Yeah. Like, this is some next-level stuff that, I mean, you saw glimpses of this in the movie, so this fits perfectly. To yeah, the well, and it, it's even more brilliant when there's a moment when Happy and Pepper question how... Jarvis could have been beat. Like Jarvis records everything. Like how did Jarvis not capture this? And he just kind of shrugs it off and brushes it. Like, yeah, no, no, no idea. Yeah. And they just take him at his word. Well, at that point, Tony is believing him hook, line and sinker. Oh God. Yeah. Like there's no questions about it. Like it's, it's this blinding loyalty for having his life saved, which I get. It makes perfect sense in this scenario, but this is where Killmonger is really accelerating his plan because he is really, emphasizing, well, you know, this is for the greater good. It's going to help everybody out. And then when he winds up taking out Claw, too, Mm -hmm. he winds up having the confrontation when Tony Stark is starting to pick up on some things. Yeah. So once this happens, Killmonger kills Stark. Yeah. Which is a wild scenario in its own right. But now he's really ascended himself very heavy with this drone army being built. Yep, built, ready to rock and roll, and he's even framed the deaths of Rhodey and Stark as being done by the Wakandans. Yes. So that he even gets General Ross to go, yep, nope, it's the Wakandans. Why don't we go invade Wakanda? Yes, because General Ross always wants to go in with full force, no questions asked. He's got the country's best interests at heart. Exactly. But at this point, too, Killmonger does go to Wakanda, and he reconnects with his family there. And he is really kind of playing both sides against each other. Uh-huh. 
And it's a wild scenario that happens because at this point, his drone army with the stolen vibranium is yep. built. They, well, Tony's also gone along the path of the original movie and built because one of the issues they were having was powering them. They kept running out of power. So he goes, what if we miniaturize the arc reactor? and put, So that we got that moment. Yes. So it was very well tied to Iron Man 1. Like I said, the, the amount of detail they did between this and Black Panther was very exceptional. And I do enjoy that because it's those little Easter eggs and what if that are the variables that really make the show stand out. And then when we see the Killmonger is working both sides against each other, he has the drone army come into Wakanda. Mm -hmm. They cut off the force field and the signal is working for General Ross to activate these robots. And then when just everybody thinks it's one... Oh no! He Killmonger reactivates him inside the the Wakanda city. Yeah, and, and you really have a moment, like you said, Killmonger's you know kind of reconnecting with his family. Not everybody believes him. You know, you had uh, Denai Guerrera uh, return to reprise her role as Okoye. Angela Bassett returned to reprise her role as Queen Ramonda. Uh, you also had uh, John Connie uh, repri- returning to reprise his role as uh, King T'Chaka. You know, whereas everybody but T'Chaka is like, yo, I don't trust this guy with a 39 and a half foot pole. He's like, no, listen, he's family. It's okay. He's he's helping us. And then he tells him like, oh, how do we stop? They go, how do we stop these drones? Oh, listen, if you if you just simply let him in and then close the dome, it'll cut off the it'll cut off the reception for the drones and they won't be able to work and we'll be able to just take them off. No problem. So that's what they do, and they do stop, and you have it cuts back to General Ross sitting in you know headquarters going, "What's going on? Give me eyes in there. Why are we cut off?" And they go, "Oh, look, great, we stopped. Let's start taking them out." And uh, Killmonger just pulls out a little remote out of his pocket, presses it, and they activate. Oh my God, how are they back on? Oh, of course, Tony must have foresaw that and built a backup where they'd automatically reactivate. Mm-hmm. So we do have a battle between the people of Wakanda versus the drones, and Killmonger leading the charge. Yeah. So he's yelling Wakanda forever. Yes, he's making himself the hero of this story. And after he takes out the drone army, he now becomes the new Black Panther. Yep. And is in the middle of an escalating war between Wakanda and the United States. Mm-hmm. Where it's getting to the point that General Ross is ready to unload every single force he has. Yeah, he even says they've got ships parked in the ocean nearby with like every missile pointed at them. Yes. So as we're on the brink of a very bad war that is going to unfold, we do see that Pepper Potts, who has always had her suspicions of Killmonger, is greeted by a visitor. Yeah. And who is that, Pat? Uh, that is Shuri, a.k.a. T'Challa's sister. Yes. And they're on the same page that Killmonger has been working everybody over this entire mm-hmm. time. And they decide to make a pact to expose him and take him down before this war actually happens. And the show ends. Mm-hmm. Wow. Great episode. I mean, break it down for us. Very well-written episode, start to finish. A lot of intricacies, and I, I can't help but wonder, did T'Challa plan it all, or was it just kind of like, an, all right, here's where I want to go. Let's go off the cuff and, and work what I can along the way. Also, can't help but wonder, was Tony a bad guy in this episode, or was he just doing you know machinations of a puppet master? See, here's the thing you got to remember with Tony. Tony had his redemption moment. When he was captured by the Ten Rings. True. And even in the comics, too, like when when he was originally uh, forming and becoming the Iron Man. When he has that redemption moment, that changes the course of his character. If that moment never happens, he's still an arrogant millionaire. Mm-hmm. And he 
is really a bad guy when it comes down to it. I mean, like you said, we they kind of recreate the scene from the end of Avengers 1 where he's talking to the press. In the movie, he's eating, what is it, like a burger or some nonsense? Like, he's just, he's just kind of sitting there, standing there. Uh, I might be confusing it with the one from the beginning of the movie, but I digress. Mm-hmm. But instead of, you know, when he first comes back, no, yeah, so when it's when he first comes back, he talks to the press, he's eating a burger. He's like, oh, I just want a cheese meat, just want, I just want Burger King, let's go get Burger King. So he's sitting there eating a Burger King. Burger King burger. But then with this one, it's not, oh, I want a cheeseburger. I miss a cheeseburger. It's get me a whiskey or scotch or whatever yeah. it is. And he's just he's just drinking alcohol. Yeah. I mean, it just is that moment that when you take that out of the character, he's really not a good guy after all. And that's one thing that people need to remember, too. But it, this is how when you have those redemption moments, and especially in early Marvel, too, in the comics, I mean, that's what really makes these heroes heroes. Like, you think about it. Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Well, if he, he remember, he didn't stop that burglar that was robbing um, the guy that was running the wrestling match, the yeah. promoter. Yeah. Well, you know what? If Uncle Ben didn't get killed, would he have been Spider-Man? Yeah. No, it's it's those moments that when Stan Lee, rest in peace, wrote for these characters to have this redemption moment, you find that they are now dedicating their lives to become better and become more heroic. So without that moment in the show... Tony is still an asshole. Yeah. Sorry. Just, he really is. There's no there's no cut and dry way to put it around. And that's why in the movies, he teeters around trying to become better, but he also becomes obsessive with it, too. Mm-hmm. I'll be in case in point. In the movies, look at what happens post-Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Like, I get trying to make the world a safer place and trying to be held accountable for your actions, but there's that, and then there's the extreme he went to. Yeah, exactly. But that's just how arrogant he is, even though... It took him a while to get to that redeeming moment because if you really want to break it down, and I know we're getting very, very off track, his ultimate redemption moment was at Endgame. Yeah. It was 28 films later, or 20-some-odd later, I'm sorry. Because let's not forget the line from Avengers 1. You know, what are you without... You know, what are you without the super soldier stream? You're just a guy. Mm-hmm. And and Cap and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact line. But Cap says he's the one who won't lay it all on the line and make the sacrifice. Yeah. And, and what does Tony do in the end? Lays it out all on the line and makes the sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, it took however many films to get there. Like I said, I'm so used to saying 28 days later that I know there's not that many MCU films yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there. But it all goes back to those moments that if you take that heroicness and that redemption arc out of the equation, it's a whole different ball game. Man, you don't want to do a Marvel rewatch again. I'm telling you, like it's just these little things, especially if you read the classic MCU and Marvel comic universe, I mean by this. Look at all those moments where somebody has to have a redemption moment. Yeah. That's a good majority of the heroes. Not all of them. It's like but, two of the three Thor movies. Well, exactly, but it's, it's how it impacts their characters moving forward. And, and like I say, and I can't stress this enough, if you take that little piece out of those heroes that we know, they're not heroes. They never become them. And you see how things can go completely wrong in this scenario, too. Mm-hmm. It was written brilliantly. I loved everything about this episode just because the little details that you just got to really pay attention to and to see where this story was going to go. It was going to get completely crazy. I, I fully imagine. Like, Oh God. Yeah. I know they're, they have not announced that they're going to go back and do sequels or follow up episodes. To yeah. These. No, we don't know anything about that. We know there's a second season that's already been announced, but yeah. we don't, but there's, there's enough there that like, I would imagine it wouldn't happen in the second season because mm-hmm. I think they've already got that planned out. But if they were to do a third season, there's enough stories they've done where it's like, 
cliffhanger ending that they could come back to him. Yeah, I don't remember in the comics that they ever did. Like, I'm sure they probably have because there's a lot of what-if issues out there. Oh, yeah. So, that being said, if they went back to this universe to see how the story followed up, I wouldn't be mad about this. Because I think that they left a lot on there that definitely can work with for a sequel and see where we go from here. But if not, it's another great episode from the team over at Marvel Studios Animation. Yeah. And putting this together, the show has been on point. Every episode has come out. And I expect it to go fully strong in this first season till we get to Hawkeye. Yeah. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about episode six of What If? What if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? Definitely want to hear your opinions, ODPH Society. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom, from movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to recap the latest happenings in the world of The Walking Dead. Zombies! Zombies are running wild, and we are definitely deep diving into Season 11, and this is Episode 4 entitled Rendition. So we're going to be recapping and really giving you our thoughts and opinions about what's happening in the Daryl Dixon landscape. So you know the deal by now. After the countdown, we go deep diving on spoilers. So that all being said, in three, two, one, pad. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was a really good episode. And I will say it's going to be very interesting to see where Daryl goes from here. Because if it goes a certain way, the Internet's not going to be happy. Yeah, this was an interesting episode, I got to admit. Um, definitely a little less fa- fast-paced as uh, the previous ones. I mean, oh, obviously, yeah. we didn't see the return of Daryl Wick, uh, which is a good thing. What you going to do when Daryl Wick runs wild on you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, brother. No, but this is where we see that Daryl is getting hunted by one of the Reapers, the group mm-hmm. that had viciously made its debut a few episodes back, killing everybody and anything in sight, and only a few survived as they escaped its vicious onslaught so daryl obviously being the star of the show uh-huh. uh has to really be watching his back here because as he's being attacked they do see that there is another reaper who's masked who does make her appearance uh-huh. and confronts daryl and pad who is that uh that is one leah who if folks like me initially looked at it and go went wait a minute beth no, it's not Beth. Uh, it is Leah, who was Daryl's love interest for the bonus episode they did at the uh, after last season. Yes. So this is kind of a very weird reunion going on. And once this is happening, Daryl gets captured officially by the Reapers. Yeah. So he is taken to their base and more or less kept in isolation, yep. even though they are really trying their damnedest to get as much information out of him as he can. So there's a few that want to kill him and ask questions later. Yes, which, I mean, that's the kind of vibe that is going on here. And once that he is now getting in his interrogation, he's really kind of getting the step of the temp in the room, so to speak. Like, what uh-huh. is going on here? Because uh, he's getting asked uh, by Leah, you know, she says, I never thought I'd see you again. Daryl thought the same. She wants to know who he's with, you know, because she saw him with other people out there. You know, of course, the the Reapers are everywhere, apparently. They saw everything. Uh, you know, she wants to know. She points her shotgun and goes, you one of them? 
He goes, I saw, I crossed a small group on the road. No, I ain't one of them. Uh, he tries to take dog and leave. He goes, I don't know who you're fighting, but I am not part of it. You know, the Reapers surround him and he's not going anywhere. And uh, he gets chloroformed, I'm pretty sure, uh, hooded and is dragged into the town into uh, Meridian, apparently. Yeah, so when he's getting drugged in here, obviously the stakes are getting raised. And it's it, this is not a, a good situation because I know what they're trying to do is use Leah to get him to cough up information. I mean, obviously he's taking out one Reaper. And obviously being covered in zombie guts for camouflage because, let's face it, in The Walking Dead, there's reasons. Reasons. So he is now getting cleaned up a little bit, and Leah is really trying to work him over for information. Yeah. And it's just not exactly happening. Well, she's trying to play to his his interests and his heart because they really connected in that that episode after the season 10 quote-unquote finale. Uh, and, and she clearly, her, her interests and her loyalties lie with the Reapers or her family as she calls them, Yeah, you know, and she's trying to work that, that love interest and really try and get information out of them. Because let's face it, if you, if you see somebody you have feelings for and you're interested in, you will say things to them. You might not normally say to other people. Right. So, I mean, it's a smart play by Leah to try getting the information, but Daryl's not buying anything. And obviously when he's taken into his holding cell, he runs into Frost, one of the members of Maggie's group. Yeah. And, of course, Frost is trying to say, like, Daryl, oh, my gosh, it's you. And he's like, I don't know you. I don't know you. Like, <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> because he doesn't want to tip his hand that, yeah, I'm part of a group. Because he, he's what he's trying to sell is, I'm by myself. I'm just here with my dog. Don't yeah. mind me. I don't know anything. Yay. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Exactly. And even Frost is, like, still freaking out. And then finally he's like, oh, okay. And... Leah is still sitting there going, just like, tell us the truth. And Daryl is sticking to his guns. And he is like, I don't know anything. Yeah. If I could, I'd tell you. I would. Seriously. That's what he says at one point, you know, I never lied to you. I wouldn't start now. Yeah. And Leah is still driving that point home. And he is just like, I just want to get out of here. Like, I don't care what you're doing. It's like, I don't know shit. I'd help you if I could. You know I would. Just give me dog. Let me go. You'll never see me again. Yeah. It is just a, it's a very back and forth scenario because he is just not breaking. And that's one thing you got to give him credit for. Learning under the tutelage of one Rick Grimes, he's probably picked up a thing or two. I'll say if we're playing D&D here, he's rolling nat once on his charisma checks because he's failing miserably. Yes. So as we hear... Another character is entering the field, and that is one Pope, yep. the head of the Reapers, played by Richie Coster. Yeah. And he is more or less trying to talk to his people about, well, the failed mission mm-hmm. and is saying, well, you know, we have somebody that, f- that fell for us. And he is now playing this very cult-like leader. Yeah. And very much a soothsayer. Yes, and even dropping the quote, God is here, he's angry, I'm angry. Do you feel that? Go make them feel our wrath. He makes my skin crawl, not going to lie. Oh, yeah. He, he's I, like, I know he's the bad guy, but he, oof, give me creepy vibes. Yeah, he definitely was portraying that whole cult vibe, which we've seen in the past with The Walking Dead. I mean, mm-hmm. was, like when there's always a figurehead and minions that follow around, but this is the first time it's gone full-blown cult. Yeah, I mean, and this is something you see a lot in, like, post-apocalyptic stories. Like, inevitably, there's a a cult-like group that, you know, your heroes or your main characters run into. But this is the first one, like you said, we've run into in this universe. Yeah, but this is just where the show is elevated with this villain. I mean, this is, I mean, I should say antagonist because... 
The Walking Dead world is very gray, so it, it depends on who you're really saying is doing stuff for the right reasons. Obviously, though, Pope, I don't think is. I think no, he's just probably not. literally gone batshit crazy and everybody's cleaning. Enough said there. So with that being said, Leah is still trying to sit there and talk to Daryl, and it's not happening. And she's trying to sell the whole point of, like, I've lost one of my family you know, this has been the first time in a long time I've had to experience this. The last time was you and trying to play on the emotions there. And Daryl is like, listen, I came back for you. You weren't yeah. there. I did not leave you. Yeah. And, of course, Leah is like, you did. Yeah, you, you, know, you didn't lose me. I came back and you were gone. You left me. I asked you what you wanted. You left. I got scared. Of what? Letting go. Yeah. So she's still like desperately trying to grasp on, and Daryl is just like, this is not happening. And he's more or less trying to give something just to get his way out of there. Yeah, he's really trying to like warm tongue his way out of there, and it's almost working. Yeah, and he is just basically saying, well, you know, there's a – there's a a woman that runs our group. She's she's the leader and, and kind of speaks code as he's trying to portray because he doesn't want to tip off anything. And he's really kind of being very coy about what he's saying. Like I say, if he's really speaking in code because he doesn't want to give anybody's name away, yeah. he doesn't want to tip out anything off. Yeah. And he more or less describes uh, Negan so he's, he's and playing, Gabriel. Yeah, he's playing two truths, one lie. You know, where he says, there's a tall, skinny guy who never shuts up. Okay, true. There's a shotgun-carrying priest. Okay, also true. Yeah. But they have the numbers. Not, not true. Not, not really true. Not really true. I mean, yeah, they have more people, but let's face it, half of Alexandria doesn't really fight. Mm-hmm. So running with this information, like the game telephone, she goes and tells Pope, who's just sitting there sharpening a knife. As one, as one does. Like I said, you got to do something for fun, I guess, in the zombie apocalypse. What else is there than sharpening a blade? True. But, but hey, I mean, they don't got Netflix there, do they? This is true. So once that this information comes to Pope, he is trying to really comprehend everything, but he's not saying anything. He's oh, just, so he knows more than he's letting on. Yeah, he's he is definitely on top of the situation, and he's not revealing his cards because he feels a work is happening. Yeah. And sure enough, it is, because when he finally speaks, he's like, so tell me, did you really find what you were looking for? Uh, I told you he would be useful, and I was right. He's a lot like us. Pain doesn't scare him. Death doesn't scare him. Carver saw it. You see it. Yeah. And, of course, Pope just has to hit him back with, (laughs) I just see a guy who wants to get in your pants. Not wrong. Wow. All right. So this is where we're taking the conversation. And then we go, yeah, come on. Stop lying. You know he wants to get in your pants. Yeah. And and he's basically saying, like, listen, you could have ended this. What, What are we doing here? And you didn't. And I, this is completely explains, you know, you still got feelings for him. And and then, of course, she's trying to say, no, I didn't. You know, yeah, at, one point, I, at one point, he meant something to me. I've been open about that. But it ended the day you found me. And I chose his family. I have never once regretted that decision. And I don't want you to either. Do you? Yeah. And then he does, like, the weird, like, uh, kind of, like, I believe you. She's she's trying to play both sides, and she's never done it before, and it's very obvious. Yeah, and he's like, it's so creepy. Of like, he's like, I know as, you're full as, of as, shit. I will admit, as somebody who has lied a fair amount of times to my parents over the years, she's doing a really bad job. Oh my god, yeah, it's it's so bad. But he's even being worse because he's like, there, there, 
Like oh, it, it's almost that saying, kind of vibe. He's saying they're there, but he knows she's lying. Oh, I know, I know, but still, it's like, oh man, this guy it, 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 so it, badly. It's the parental moment of like, you know, your kid did something wrong, and you want to give your kid that opportunity to like own up to it, just to have that like building moment, like learning moment. But then they don't do it. And it's like, all right, now we got to string this along, even though I know you did it. Yeah. So he's like, well, let's go see what he's made of. So then they get into this weird scenario where Daryl is now in an interrogation spot. Yeah. Leah is there with him. And then all of a sudden, you hear the lights go out, the door is locked, and all of a sudden the room's on fire. So Daryl being, well, I guess we could say he went Daryl Wick here to a degree, mm-hmm. uh, basically rips the boards off the windows and gets out of there after he punches his way through the glass and pries the windows open so he can escape and gets Leah out of there too. And then Pope is just standing there watching. Yeah. And, like, Leah's, like, celebrating like she won the lottery. Yeah. What kind of stuff are they smoking? Like, seriously, this is just like, oh, my God, the cult Kool-Aid is strong here. Mm-hmm. 100 proof. And, of course, Pope has to give the crazy forged by fire, ordained by God, welcome him speech. Yeah, and then in uh, return, the Chosen Ones, a.k.a. the other cult members, I guess we could the, say. Yeah, the, the Reapers. They yeah. recite Fortuto Salutis, which uh, there, there's a little bit of an interesting thing about that. Uh, it appears to be, this is from uh, Talking Dead, it, it is, appears on Leah's uh, arm on a tattoo. Uh, it's a Latin phrase, which appears to be, and I'm reading from an article on comicbook.com, uh, Fortuto Salutis appears to be taken from Psalms 140 in the Bible, uh, in the King James Bible, uh, which roughly translated to mean support in times of war. Yeah. So... This is a very interesting dynamic because after Pope catches up with Daryl after the test and almost gives his origin story yeah, about how he says the, his chosen ones met in the valley of death mm-hmm. and gives a scenario that it portrays him that he was a soldier fighting in Afghanistan and how they were left behind by the powers that be. And he even drops his weird quote about they didn't know God they never saw his face. It's not like we did. We saw God everywhere. He was in the blood and the horror of death. He was there telling us where to go. Didn't have much else to hold on to those days but him and each other. So they really were driving that point home that he is somebody that was dealing with an extreme case of PTSD. Yeah. And you, uh, like also goes like on another quote about saying we did all the ugly, dirty work nobody else wanted to. But, mm-hmm. And then goes into about basically what happened when they came home to the outbreak. Yeah. And just like the other quote that he dropped, that this is what I knew we were the chosen one. This is when I knew we were the chosen ones. These men who upon these bodies of fire had no power. It's a very gripping scene and really explains Pope and what his followers are doing. And then we get a little more foreshadowing with Daryl and how Pope is saying, well, Leah was right about you. And, you know, he's family now and really just trying to get him to join their ranks because after passing the test, this is where Pope really thinks he'll become an asset to, the, uh-huh. to their group. And then they do have this moment where they're giving one of their fallen members a quote-unquote proper send-off. There's nothing proper about this. Right. It's just absolutely very, very awkward what happens here because Pope is just sitting there questioning somebody else that was with them on the original outing. 
And he's asking about, like, where were you when all this went down, that you have a fallen brother? Mm-hmm. And when he's getting the uh, interrogation, the the member in question does not have a good answer. No. And, Pad, what happens to him there? So he asks where he was. He says uh, says he was right there. Uh, and then uh, uh, Pope says, facing the enemy? Sir, yes, sir. And Pope says, human nature is to run when you are scared. You know what that's like, right? And he looks to Daryl and uh, says, it takes divine strength to face your fear head on. Risk everything for someone else. We all saw what you did, getting Shaw out of the fire first. You felt it, huh? How far, uh, how far he, he would go just to keep you safe. Today, God baptized you in that fire, made you one of us. You see, there's one thing I forgot to tell you. Never turn your back on your brother. God doesn't only use fire as his baptism. It's also his wrath. And then he throws the member into the fire and keeps his boot on his face. One of the more vicious scenes they've done since probably uh, Glenn got killed. Yeah, well, originally it starts on his face, but I think he ultimately just keeps his boot on him while he's being burned alive. Oh, yeah, but you full-on see the skin peeling off his face. Yeah, like it's an intense scene, and it ends with... Pope saying, quote, we are the chosen ones. We run into battle. We run into the fire always. As you're seeing somebody get burnt alive and everybody is standing there watching and using that as a rallying cry. It's disturbing. Oh, yeah. And and you can if you watch the scene back, you can tell Daryl's like, hey, well, I think that now he's really seeing this group and how he needs to find a way out of this because I don't yeah. think I think he knows that he's running on borrowed time so oh, to he speak. Is. Yeah, no, he is. I I don't think for one second that he's joined this group so so uh, quote unquote. I don't think he's turned heel. You know, yeah. I I think it's just a case of he's behind enemy lines and he's lying through his teeth in any way he can just to stay alive and get back with his group. Yes, I mean, like I say, it's a frightening ending. It's a very powerful one because you understand Pope. And what he's doing to a degree and how this is going to affect everybody else moving forward is going to be a very, very deadly case for our quote-unquote heroes in the Walking Dead universe to deal with in the upcoming episodes. Pad, final thoughts on this one? Uh, I thought it was a good episode. Very interesting to see where we go from here. Uh, Don't think for one second Daryl has turned heel to borrow a wrestling term, but I did dig the episode. Yeah, like I said, it was a very interesting episode. And you get a better understanding of what this group and, like I say, the cult-like vibe because of how much they're using religious overtones to demonstrate what they're doing. It's a very strong play. Like I said, we've seen these big bad groups before with one figurehead, but never in a situation like this. Mm -hmm. And to see how this is all going to shake out is going to be very fascinating to watch because, unfortunately, they already tipped their hand. They're going to be doing the Daryl and Carol spinoff. Yeah. Still knowing that, that takes away from this. I mean, it, it does, but it also that spinoff could take place in the, like, six-plus years that have time-jumped for uh, during the show. You would think, but who knows? I mean, that's, a lot of time they could that, play that's the only question that I think would really help them at this point because it's hard to believe that somebody like Daryl, who you've now banked your franchise on, is in really this much danger. I, and that's why I say, like, that's my only takeaway is, like, if this had been somebody else, like a Father Gabriel, mm-hmm. like... A Maggie, even yeah, you know, like different yeah. different scenarios. I think then you'd 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 have that real strong sense of danger. Like there is already that sense here, and like this group is doing this. You know, obviously they've got evil intentions, and however they want to try spinning it, it's still going to lead to just chaos everywhere. Yeah, 
But I think, though, if they had swapped out Daryl with another character, I think that point would have been very much stronger. Yeah, well, and I think just if the fact we didn't know there was already a spinoff coming, it'd be a lot stronger. I think it'd be akin to when, a couple seasons ago, when Glenn was under the, uh, or, or whoever, or Carl or whoever was, was under the blue uh, dumpster. Mm-hmm. You know, where everyone, I remember the internet collect, well, collectively. Oh, it was Glenn. Yeah, it was Glenn. Like, we knew it was going to happen, but, like, the internet who didn't know collectively lost its shit thinking he was dead. That, like, I think to a, almost a lesser degree, that's where we'd be. But the fact that, like you said, we know there's going to be a Daryl and Carol spinoff. Everyone's like, okay, yeah, he's not in danger. Yeah, like I said, you know what would have been perfect? That they swapped him out with Negan. Oh, shit. That would have been something. Because with, D- with Negan, he's the ultimate X Factor. You don't know what he's going to do. I kind of want to see him with that group just because go old school Negan. Exactly. Like I say, you could really go some places with the story. But I digress. Yeah. I mean, like I say, it's more fantasy book in here. It's fans of the franchise. But that all being said, a very interesting episode of Walking Dead, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the latest episode of The Walking Dead? We want to have that conversation, so hit us up, let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one shots? Uh, I got just one thing to talk about because it took up a bulk of my time on Thursday last week. Uh, PlayStation held its PlayStation so- Showcase live stream, uh, which took place uh, about four in the afternoon Eastern. I live tweeted it on my, my own account. Uh, but it was highly anticipated because, hey, PlayStation is showing off stuff. Never know what it could be. Uh, and it ended up being a great uh, show to watch if you're a PlayStation fan uh, because they unveiled a whole bunch of stuff. They started off the damn show, and i got to give credit to uh, my friend Jordan uh, over at Cinelinks who kind of had this rumor a, a while ago, but it was never officially confirmed until now. Folks, we're getting a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake let's go announced for playstation 5 this started off the damn show so this is when i went oh shit they're starting with this this is gonna be a good show uh so it's not only one of the best star wars games of all time but it's also one of the best rpgs of all time much beloved by the fans uh the folks over at lucasfilm games and then asper games who've been worked on uh, a couple of the older star wars games and brought them to uh, current consoles you know i know they did star wars uh jedi starfighter they brought that one uh star wars republic commando they did this two star wars uh jedi knight games you know they've done a whole bunch and brought a whole bunch to the current consoles uh they're re- bringing a remake of the classic game uh which first arrived on the xbox in 2003 it was also on pc uh they're bringing it to ps5 uh the nice thing is is it's not only being uh developed by industry veterans but also some of the original team who Mm. worked on star wars knights of the old republic so they said it's going to be a remake it's not just a fresh coat of paint and update the graphics from 2003 they're going to keep the core of the story there make some changes so i I cannot wait for when this comes out christ knows it's going to probably be a while but it's going to be amazing it'll be worth the time when it comes out i mean obviously that franchise enough said Uh uh-huh uh then you had a uh and i'm not going in any particular order i'm just reading off an article from ign.com 
gmail.com. Uh, you had a gameplay trailer reveal for the sequel to God of War, the 2018 uh, game. This is the first gameplay we got to see of the game. Of course, the game is titled God of War Ragnarok. So if you're familiar at all with that name, you know what's coming. Uh, it does. It takes place a few years after the 2018 game, uh, and the trailer shows there's still some strife between Kratos and his son Atreus, or should I say, at this point. In, Listen, I could say spoilers, but it came out in 2018. It's 2021. You've had an entire year to play the damn game, especially because of pandemic. Uh, Atreus, a.k.a. Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Atreus is Loki. Uh, he wants to explore what it means to actually be Loki and have giant heritage. You know, Kratos knows how dangerous that path is, and, and he knows that Thor is after him, especially given the uh, end credit scene during the last game. He's going to have to face Thor, which is voiced by Ryan Hurst, a.k.a. Beta from yeah, The that's Walking Dead. Yeah, dope casting. So, but, and, and the interesting thing with this is the folks over at Sony Santa Monica Studios did say that this will wrap up their Norse mythology uh, story. So the, it's only going to be a duology. It's not going to be multiple games like they did with the Greek mythology. So there's a fair amount of Norse gods we got to go and kill because that's the thing with God of War. You don't just fight the gods and leave them on the side of the road. You have to kill them very viciously. <laughs> very viciously, case in point, Zeus at the end of God of War 3. Yeah, that was... I kept punching and didn't know I was supposed to stop. Just saying. My screen turned red. <laughs> uh, but I cannot wait for this. Uh, no real release date of when this is coming out. Uh, we got a announcement trailer. We Listen, we knew this was coming. It was just a matter of hearing about when. And Christ almighty, I gotta say, the folks over at Insomniac uh, Studios do not fucking sleep like ever. Yeah. Uh, we got an announcement trailer for a uh, sequel to both the Spider-Man PS4 game and Miles Morales. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man 2 will be arriving on PS5 in 2023. Uh, it showed gameplay of both Spider-Man and Miles Morales fighting. Uh, they will be facing off against Venom. So, yo, and if you played that game and you looked and paid attention to the story, you saw that one coming. Uh, yeah, but, but, but also, as we saw in the trailer, uh, you will hear, uh, you heard Craven's voice. So, here's mm. Craven's going to be in the game. Uh, it was also confirmed that Candyman's Tony Todd will be voicing Venom. That's a dope thing. Yeah, it is. I'm excited about that. Yeah, and like I said, Insomniac, they do not fucking sleep, like, ever. Uh, looking at a release date of when they had games come out. So, 2016, they had one, two, three, four, five games come out. Uh, they, of course, had the Ratchet & Clank uh, remake come out. They had Songs of the Deep, Edge of Nowhere uh, all come out. Uh, the Unspoken and Feral Rights also come out. But then, so then they took 2017 off, and they didn't have anything come out in 2018. But since 2018, they had Marvel Spider-Man come out. Uh, for PlayStation 4, and then it obviously got re-released for PlayStation 5. Uh, 2019, they had Stormland come out for Windows. 2020, they had Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales come out for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Uh, they had Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, the latest game in the Ratchet & Clank series, come out this year. Uh, and then, it looks like 2022, they might not be having anything come out, but 2023, they've got Marvel's Spider-Man 2 coming out. But all the while, they also announced they're working on another Marvel property. And it was revealed for the first time in this game, in this uh, live stream. I had not even heard rumors of this. Mm -hmm. I had heard that there was another Marvel game in the works, but I, nobody ever said who or what. We found out who. It's Insomniac Studios. We found out what. Fucking Wolverine. Let's go. Oh, my God. 
So the game is being directed by Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales's Brian Horton, and Cameron Christensen. Uh, and Insomniac's goal is to, quote, not only respect the DNA of what makes the character so popular, but also look for opportunities to make it feel fresh and truly reflect the Insomniac spirit, close quote. They also, I know, have said, because I know a lot of people are concerned, well, you got to make it gory and violent because that's the character. They said, no, don't worry. We'll be able to capture that aspect. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to check that out. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Uh, we did get a gameplay trailer and a release date for Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. This, of course, is the spinoff to the Borderlands gameplay. Uh, it, so reading uh, from the article on IGN.com, uh, it is releasing on March 25th of 2022. Again, adding to the amount of games that are coming out next year. It's mm -hmm. absolutely insane. Uh, it says, quote, we catch a glimpse of some of the epic settings of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which include everything from majestic towns to mushroom forests, foreboding fortresses, and more. Uh, there will also be an interactive tabletop zone, which players can explore as they discover dynamic encounters and traverse between all key locations. Old school JRPG fans, we see you. Also, in a departure from Borderlands, players will be able to create their own hero in-game that features a multi-class system that lets you mix and match six unique character skill trees, all with their own awesome abilities. There will also be a ton of customization options. So, this is spinning off of a DLC they did for... It wasn't three. I can't remember if it was Borderlands 2 or the pre-sequel. I want to say it was two. Uh, but they did a, a thing where basically this character, Tiny Tina, did a Dungeons & Dragons-like game with the main characters. And you went through it, and, and it was very fan fantasy-like and all that. So it's spinning off of that, and it appears to be that. And I cannot wait. I am super goddamn excited for that. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, we did find out that Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, and uh, the Uncharted Lost Legacy are getting remastered for PlayStation 5 and PC. Hmm. Uh, so that's awesome. Both are definitely great games. I, I highly recommend the hell out of the both of them, especially if they're getting remastered for PlayStation 5. Yeah. Uh, great games. A lot of fun. Uh, they showed off some gameplay for the new Tom Clancy Rainbow Six Extraction. Uh, I know some folks who play that. Uh, that's coming out in January of 2022. Uh, and the showcase gave fans a glimpse of the action players will experience when they have to fight off the Archean threat. Uh, this another one they showed off that was rumored and officially confirmed, although it wasn't rumored for that long. Uh, Alan Wake remaster gameplay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Alan Master Alan Wake remaster was announced. Uh, we got our first look at the gameplay, and it's coming out well in about a month. Coming out October fifth, twenty twenty one. Got Grand Theft Auto five and Grand Theft Auto Online updates because Christ, they can't stop talking about that one. Uh, so if you can't hear the frustration in my voice. I bought the original Grand Theft Auto V when it came out in, like, 2011 on PlayStation 3. Yeah. They re-released it for PlayStation 4. They re they're re-releasing it for PlayStation 5. So, yeah. Uh, they're re-releasing it again for PlayStation 5, and, and there's going to be a graphics update, which, cool. Yeah. You know, like, I'm at <laughs> Tell the... Tell them how you feel, Pad. I mean, don't get me wrong. Online is fun. The races are fun. You know, it's a bit of a pain in the ass to play the public lobbies because people are blowing your shit up every five seconds. Mm -hmm. But the races are fun. The heists are fun. But, like, I'm at the point where I'm like, just give me six. I want to play six. I don't want to play five for the umpteenth time if there's nothing. To it. It's like they're re-releasing Skyrim. Skyrim's in the same goddamn boat. Skyrim released in, like, 2010 on PlayStation 3. They re-released it on you know, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. They then re-released it on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, 
PlayStation, they're re-releasing it for PlayStation 5 and the new Xboxes. Oh, by the way, it's also been released on PC umpteen dozen times. It's available on Nintendo Switch, and it's probably available on your smart refrigerator at this point. Like, mm-hmm. that, like that's the running joke. Like, if it can run Skyrim, they're going to put it on. You know, but I, it's just, I'm like, I'm like a lot of the internet. I just don't care at this point. Like, yeah, it's already ran its course. Like, yeah. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not too amped up about that one. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a fun game, and it's a, sure. it's a great story, and it, uh, Christ... The mission where you're Trevor driving through Los Santos, aka Los Angeles, mm-hmm. chasing a jetliner plane, you know, that's conti- it's not that passengers, it's got cargo on it. As it's crashing down, and you're gonna, I'll have to show you the gameplay afterwards, but you're on a dirt bike riding through trying to chase this thing down is a ton of fun. I don't wanna play it for 10 years. Yeah. Like, don't uh, just move on. Uh, we did get a release date for Gran Turismo 7. Uh, this, of course, the big PlayStation racing uh, franchise. Uh, Gran Turismo 7 will be officially released on PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 on March 22nd of 2022. Uh, we got a look at an interesting game called uh, Tachia, and I apologize if I butchered that name. Uh, it is inspired by New Caledonia that lets you jump your soul into animals. Uh, so the article says Tachia is a game that is not only inspired by new Caledonia, but it is one that lets you soul jump into any physical object or animal in the world that, that each offers its own controls and abilities. The main character Tachia will also be able to use a ukulele to influence the world and story. It looks fun. It looks, it looks like one of those indie games that like, you know, journey or flower or something. It just looks like a lot of fun that, you know, you can take some time back and, and just kind of kick back. Uh, we got a new uh, sassy trailer for ahead of the launch for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, this is ahead of its um, October 28th release date. Nothing super surprising. Yeah, but it's still first player though. You you can only be Star Lord, correct? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Could, yeah, yeah. So so that you know that that looked okay. Yeah, I mean it, it looks good. Like I said, yeah. for what it is, I'm just kind of disappointed. As of right now, that you're only stuck playing as one character. Mm-hmm. So that's just me. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a trailer for Deathloop, which is coming out, which actually came out this week. Uh, it was a launch trailer revealed, uh, which one of the points they hit home, and I, I know I tweeted at one point, was that, like, oh, the purpose of this game is to die and repeat, die and repeat, die and repeat, that, like, you can't get through get through the game until you die a bunch of times and learn how you're supposed to get through the game. Mm-hmm. I can't wait, and, and I'm calling this now, like, mark the tape. It's article's going to come out some point. Where it's like you're, the purpose of the game is supposed to die, repeat, die, repeat, die, repeat. Someone's going to beat this game on one run. Yeah, like it's gonna it's gonna be like some sort of speed run, world record type of thing. But somebody's the per- beat the purpose of the game and not have to die and repeat, die and repeat. They're going to beat it on one run, and it's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, so that was the, some of the major stuff. Well, there was some stuff rumored that wasn't really announced or hinted at. So who's to say if it's coming? I know there's an infamous uh, sequel that's rumored to be coming. Nothing really talked about there. All in all, though, it was a, it was a really good uh, a broadcast to watch, especially Christ leading off with Knights of the Old Republic. As somebody who's never been able to play that game because it was released on PC and I've never had a PC good enough to play it, uh, never had an Xbox. I've got it on phone and I tried playing it on my phone, but yeah, it just didn't really work all that well. I tried to quit after five minutes. Uh, I'm excited to finally be able to play it. Like I've seen it through. I know how the story goes. I know how it ends, so I'm not getting spoiled by anything. But I'm ex- I'm very excited to play that, and, and I'm especially if I had to pick one, I'm really excited for out of this. Easy pick would be the Spider-Man games, but I I gotta say probably God of War, just because the prospect of I'm I'm familiar with the God of War franchise, I've played all the games, just going through and, and the original games and beating and the hell out of the Greek gods, you know, it was, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. To know that I'm going to have to go up against Thor and Odin and Christ knows who all else is going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of wind to take away from this. I mean, the Spider-Man game got me amped. Oh, yeah. And 
to see how they're mixing in Venom, Miles Morales, and Peter Parker. That's going to yeah. be interesting, too. Yeah. So I like that mix. I do like the Wolverine franchise going to get Yo. started. I think that's got a huge upside. And God, that's going to be nuts. God of War looked great, too. Like yeah. I say, there's a lot of win to take away from this if you're PS. Oh, absolutely. Fan. So uh, Switching over to my comic picks for the week, uh, you've got Batman 89, issue number two. Uh, you've got uh, The Joker, issue number seven. Uh, so it reads, Trabian, The Joker visits Paris. Gordon must get to The Joker ahead of the Samsons, but has the clown prince set an ambush for his pursuers. Plus, Barbara fights for her life after her introduction to the new Talon. Punchline backup, the search for Kelly Ness Punchline's former friend, who is also in Blackgate Penitentiary, begins. Uh, so definitely check that one out. You've got Justice League, issue number 67. Star Wars Darth Vader, issue number 16, coming out this week. Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures, The Monster of Temple Peak, uh, issue number two, coming out this week. You've also got Star Wars, War of the Bounty Hunters, Boosh. Mm. Uh, so it goes, reads, The Secret Origin of Boosh, a War of the Bounty Hunters tie-in. Before Princess Leia acquired his armor to infiltrate Jabba the Hutt's palace, Boosh roamed the galaxy as a bounty hunter. Uh, he and his team of lethal warriors were exiled from their homeworld, but what horrible event from Boosh, Boosh's past doomed them all to wander with no hope of ever returning. Dis- desperate to survive, Boosh takes uh, a suspicious job from this shadowy organization to, asso- to assassinate Domina Taggy, uh, the leader of the powerful Taggy family, a galactic dynasty stretching back countless generations. But Domina is the most dangerous enemy Boosh has ever faced, and the, des- and the desperate exile has the most difficult choice of his life to make. Uh, Alyssa Wong and David uh, Balanson's one-shot is the third of four action-packed War of the Bounty Hunter tie-ins about the criminal underworld's most notorious bounty hunt- notorious hunters and scoundrels, all told by the best Star Wars writers and illustrators in the galaxy. I'm definitely excited for this one just because it's Boosh. There's always been talk and rumors about his past, but nothing ever really firmly said. So yeah. it's cool to finally get this. And lastly, but not leastly, you've got Superman and the Authority, issue number three, written by Grant Morrison. Uh, Let's get weird. It's, it's going to get weird. I've already read the issue, and boy, oh boy, it's oof. Uh, It's going to be making some headlines. Uh, description reads, Superman put the Authority back together. But why? What threat is out there that only this group can contend with? The ultra-humanite, of course. This fearsome foe is forming a team of his own, one designed to go fist-to-fist with the Authority. It will be their baptism in battle to prove if Superman is right uh, that regardless of who we are, there is a hero lurking inside even the worst of us. This penultimate issue is an important chapter in the new Superman mythos, helping to keep set up where Clark Kent goes next and who he goes there with. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but like who Ultra Humanite has involved in his army is yo. That's a left field curve. It really is. It definitely will. You will not see it coming. No, you you definitely won. I've already read the issue too, and yeah, I was not expecting to see who I saw there, but you know what? Uh-huh. Let's get weird. It's Grant writing. This is true. So for my picks, uh, I definitely did a little more reviews this week on Parlay Points. So definitely head on over to odphpodcast.com, hit the Parlay Points link. It's right there in the ODPH extra section. You can see comic reviews because my picks for this week: Boom Studios, okay, dropping some more Power Rangers on us. So Power Rangers Eleven, uh, written by Ryan Perrot and Art by Francisco Mortarino. And this one is a great read. I'm starting to get more into the Power Rangers universe. Uh, Peratt's definitely writing a, a very cool epic. And like I say, this book has gotten a lot of hype, and rightfully so. Artwork is definitely on point. The story they're building, there are some big moments. If you're super into the Power Rangers mythos, you'll definitely appreciate a lot. And the story they're building here is definitely worth checking out. Uh, when you swing on over to the LCS. 
And my pick, like my number one, like this is my 1A, 1B, Ninjak returns to the shelves. All right. And Pad knows my love of Ninjak very much so. Jeff Parker and Javier Polito are doing the coolest book on the shelf. Like if you are into spy, superhero, mixed hybrids, this is your book. The art is definitely got that ultra cool hip set up to it. It's a throwback style too. I love how the panels are set up and the story they're painting. This is straight up James Bond level stuff right here, folks, which I mean, obviously Ninjak being the, the most deadliest spy in all of Valiant universe, you expect this, but you really get a lot of cool twists and turns here that you will only read in this book. So definitely check out Ninjak number three by Valiant Entertainment. And I'm also plugging the early release right now that we were lucky enough to get from Valiant. So shout out to Valiant Comics. They sent over Harbinger number one. The Harbinger number one, I should say. Uh, This book is going to be dropping in October. Definitely get to your LCS and make sure you reserve a copy now because this is going to fly off the shelves. The book is incredible too. And uh, Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Robbie Rodriguez on the artwork. Holy, yeah, Pad. I know he just lit right up. I'm showing him the preview pages right now. Ooh, those are nice. Yeah, this is some badass comic stuff right here. It's a great introduction. If you're familiar with Harbinger from its original run at the early start of Valiant, this is definitely a great refresh on that whole universe, uh, or sub-universe, I should say, of Valiant. But damn, is this a good book to stock up on, and I'm going to tell you right now. Seriously, get to your LCS, however you are buying comics, Make sure you don't miss this when this book drops. I'm guaranteeing you this is going to be one that is going to get talked about a lot. The hype is real on this, folks, so definitely make sure you don't miss it. And make sure, as always, to support your local comic shops wherever you're at. Definitely go in there, buy out some books, and definitely support your independent podcasts covering comics too, like our guy Brian Wayne over at Cheers to Comics. Obviously giving you everything you need to know about in the land of comic books. So for my one-shots, very quickly, Stargirl. Kicking into high gear this week. The episode was very, very strong. It's the summer school series, and there's a lot of big reveals that happen. I don't want to spoil this too much because I'm telling you right now, if you haven't caught up on this season, I'm hearing a lot of the ODPH Society is saying, I'm behind on this. You need to catch up quick. This episode that just dropped, Chapter 6, big, big ramifications. A lot of cool moments, including one of the best fight scenes I've seen the CW do. This is on that arrow level. I'm going to say it right now. Wow. So there's a very cool fight scene that happens with our Justice Society. And the big reveal at the end of the episode, the stakes have just went up even higher. And there is one of the most creepiest endings you'll see in all of CW DC Comics history at the end of this, there is some very horror movie elements to this season right now, and I'm here for it. No sophomore slump whatsoever. Also, we had a big announcement via Netflix. Oh. That we are going to be getting a Grendel live action show. Ooh. Now, Grendel is an old school comic book uh, written, uh, created by uh, Matt Wagner uh, via Dark Horse Entertainment. Uh, book has been around for many, many years, I believe uh, in from 1982, if I'm not mistaken. So that being said, there's a lot of history behind this character, and it was announced that we're going to get a live-action show. Abu Baker, 
Ali okay. uh, is playing the title role of Hunter Rose, and I'm reading this via IGN. A gifted fencer and acclaimed novelist, Rose is driven by a mixture of boredom and vengeance to become a costume vigilante before ultimately taking control of the, the city's criminal underworld. So this is going to be a show you definitely do not want to miss. Uh, there's some news breaking about it. Uh, as more, we start getting more information about that, obviously we'll be tipping off, but if you haven't ever checked out Grendel, it is definitely worth picking up at the comic shop. And like I said, it's an old, it's, it's an older book, obviously since the eighties, uh, there's been more recent, uh, renditions of it though. Uh, so it's definitely something if you're looking for something a little different, definitely go check it out. I'm going to be checking. I'm very excited to see where this series is going to go and, uh, definitely want to make sure I mark that down. Netflix has got a lot of programming coming out right now that you definitely want to get ready for as yeah. we go into the year's end. Cowboy Bebop, I know the Umbrella Academy Season 3 is definitely approaching soon. It's like Witcher at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, Netflix is loading up right now, and Grendel is going to be a great uh, addition to the lineup, shall we say. And lastly, this weekend, especially Saturday to be specific, is Batman Day. Yeah. Our friends over at Geek Ops did an amazing episode talking about everything Batman. But, Pad, very quickly, what does Batman Day mean to you? Uh, Batman Day, it's a fond memory of growing up watching the Batman the Animated Series and getting real into that show, you know, and then just kind of going from there with Justice League. It, it kind of introduced me to the larger world just because when I was born, you know, the only, the only Batman thing I'd really known about was that. You know, I, I didn't know about the Michael Keaton. I didn't know about the films. You know, I didn't know about the comics. I just saw the cartoon and got drawn to it. And that inevitably, just because I was flipping channels one uh, Saturday morning afternoon, and Adam, the Adam West show was on TV Land. You know, mm -hmm. and I got really into that. And I got really confused because I went from being a kid watching the cartoon and he's using a grappling hook going from building to building. And then I'm like, Dad, why is he climbing up the side of the building and not using his grappling hook? You know, so going from the introduced to that to Justice League and just kind of opening to the larger DC world. Because I think if it were not for the success of uh, the animated series, I don't think I would have gotten into, like, DC comics at all. Yeah, Batman obviously has been one of the most historic and legendary superheroes of all time. There, and I, There are freaking college courses about him. Exactly. I mean, he has just stand the test of time. And obviously, to still be relevant to this day since his debut is truly... Telling. I mean, there's a lineage of great stories throughout the years that you can definitely go through and check out and really understand the character that is driven by vengeance like nobody else, but has his own code and has become the most dangerous human being in all the DC Comics universe. And you can argue, well, he's got prep time. He doesn't have prep time. It really doesn't matter. He is the ultimate weapon when it comes to human perfection. Uh-huh. And to see how he's transcended through the animated series, the movies, uh, TV. I mean, he's still generating that buzz around him and is always a high-profile appearance whenever you see him hit pop culture because he's gone to that level. There's only certain superhero and comic book characters have done. And to see it be, still be relevant to this day is truly amazing feat and just goes to show about how that small character has now become this giant force of nature in culture and to see where it's going to be going in the future. We do know about the Matt Reeves movie coming out. Yep. We've heard a lot of talk about spinoff shows from this coming as well. Yeah. We do know the comics are going to be still rolling strong no matter what. And you're going to have new voices take over books and really kind of carve their own niche in the history of Gotham. 
and really just drive home that point of why Batman is still relevant to this day. So you definitely want to go check out your local comic shops. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of places doing a lot of things for it. And head on over to DCComics.com. They have a whole blog dedicated to the quote-unquote official Batman Day 2021 checklist. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Jump on it and celebrate Batman and everything that he's doing to make pop culture better in as being the Cape Crusader. What else can you really say about that? So that all being said, the music heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They're fantastic people. Pat, if I want to find out more about Shout, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check on everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Brian Wolf from Austin, Texas. Everything going on with Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Floodlands, Yard Party. The list goes on and on and on because they're fantastic people. And that's why we plug them each and every show. You hear their music here on each break. On the beginning and the end. That's where we get it from. So go support them like we support them. Trust me, you'll be better for off for it. Also, while you're on the website, swing on over to Parlay Points. Check out the blogs hidden there. You've got some wrestling talk. We got a sports one coming this week. We got comic reviews. You name it, we're talking about it. That's what the ODPH does. Also, check out the directory where you can find this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. I can't stress that enough. If you need to find the ODPH, that's where you go. And check out the classified section as well, which has friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. Because frankly, if you're in a group and you're not a pod chaser, you're not in a group. So shout out to the Apocalypse, shout out to the Inner Circle, and of course, shout out to 607 Podcasts and our friends over at 8122productions.com. All of that, the T Public Store, and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.